Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Another episode of Mostly Lit. You have me, Raifa. Me, Alex Reeds. And me, Derek Owusu. And we're back. We're back, guys. Finally, an episode with all of us. Yes. It's been yes, a yes, while. Yes, yes, yes. I, I don't know feel, why Derek's rolling his eyes. I feel I'm, the, I'm trying to remember. How, when was it? I can feel the absence. I can feel the echo. Yeah, like you were away the, last the week. Gone. Yeah. No I was away one week as well. Wasn't yeah, I? you were away, and then that I was, was away the, the week one. after. And then you were away the week after. Yeah, yeah. the week before that. Yeah, this is the first one back. Yeah. So, hello, guys. Hello, okay, guys. Hey, it's, hey. It's, it's us. We're back. How's everybody? How <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys doing? You guys doing all right? How you guys? We, actually, no. Let's introduce no, 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 who we, we have. have to introduce our guest. Yeah, because we have a guest, guys. Yeah, and, and he's amazing. Con- gonna contribute a lot to the show. So, well, guys, we want to welcome. Dun, 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 playwright in your elements. Hello, guys. <laughs> Was that not like was that too low energy? No, 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 no that was great. Yeah. Hi, great. hello. <laughs> yeah, it was good. It's snowing today. I'm vexed still about. Oh that. It's my just god! With my body so, temperature. Yeah. Explain this to me. Yesterday was a beautiful day. It was gorgeous. The day before that was a beautiful day. It's amazing. And then I wake up this morning, and my little cousin comes and says, "You know, it's snowing outside, right?" The answer is England. Yeah. I, as in <laughs> the answer. I was so pissed. I don't and know. that's probably like, like the second beast from the east. Second so, beast from the east. So in England, where like there has to be a constant state of terror. Yeah. If it isn't the Russians, <laughs> then it's the weather. It's the weather. <laughs> People say an hour. Yeah, you the know. Beast from the the east. beast from the How east. How colonial. I don't know, man. I woke up and saw this blizzard, and I just wasn't. Feeling it would look it. like a blizzard outside my window. Yeah. I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't here for it. I wasn't here for it at all. It's only British people who love to talk about the weather. And it's not even like a thing where like you talk about it vaguely. Like We're really invested in oh, it. Oh, it's, it's hot outside, isn't it? Oh, it's, oh, a bit, it's, it's raining. because it's of our bit, little bit grim. differences, you know, between the weather states and then the massive, you know, repercussions of yeah. that. Yeah. The flights that were grounded today, look, the snow hasn't even settled. Yeah. <laughs> flights were grounded today. Flights were grounded. <laughs> flights were cancelled. This country, That's one leaf saying. will fall on the train tracks and there will be delays everywhere. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> so red, there's delays when people like hold the doors open. There's like delays by five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we were on the train the other day and it was like, we cannot continue moving the train because one of the doors can't. Clay, please, please, please make sure that your bags are not trapped in the door. And if, for ages, just open the door and close it. They could have just done that and just been like, "All right," yeah. and then continue. They get real mad. But the thing is, like, it's it's London life. You have to, to talk about the weather and, and TFL. And, and you know what? 
London, yeah, they're stressed by the TFL, but still. I do quite like London, though. I have to say, I'm working with one of my colleagues and she's from Spain mm-hmm. and she's literally like, she hates the public transport here and she hates the roads. She's like, this is third world. What? And I'm like, <laughs> And she's from Spain. Yeah, I'm, like, apparently she they're like, her business. no, but apparently they're like, infrastructure is really good in comparison uh, to ours. So I'm just like, please respect my city. Oh, actually, no, actually, 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 wait, no, they have really good trains. I can't like, lie, like, yeah, and their roads train. are like really like, there's like a straight road to a place. Like how does it take us literally like so long to get to the airport with yeah, yeah, lions yeah, anyway? True. Yeah, but our, our underground is not that bad. Like, it's, not not bad. Bad. Yeah. it's not that bad. Yeah, it's not that bad. I mean, it's very bad. small in comparison to like the metro in New York, and actually, yeah, New York mm. Underground—that's a circle of hell. Right yeah, so, like, oh my God. literally, wow. it's mad. But oh, Paris! Oh my yeah. God, I hate Paris. Paris. Underground Paris is underground. Paris underground is trash. Horrible. It yeah. stinks. When I came here, I literally I, like. It, TFL welcomed me back. <laughs> like I went down the underground and I was like, wow, look yeah, at this yeah. cleanliness. The metro in Paris is it's dangerous as it's well. It's crazy. And you have like three seconds to get off the train. Yeah. All the doors <laughs> closed. And they close and they will continue. Yes, exactly. But they did yeah. have Wi-Fi before us though. So that's one thing. They have Wi-Fi. Yeah, they have Wi-Fi. Even on Rome's even on Rome's underground, they have Wi-Fi. Yeah, before they do. Us. Mm. I like them have Wi-Fi wow. before us. <laughs> Just spent so long talking about this. But this is us griping. Anyway, this is a literature show. Yeah, guys, we are not BBC news the report no we can't um, alright so how have you guys this week's been has it been good what have you guys been up to it's been good it's been alright um, just work work's been good been reading a great book which I'm going to talk about later okay um, oh that book did yeah. I do some? I'm sure I did something today I bought some new perfume bought some nice perfume oh you bought them already I know I bought you. one do you know what I did I bought one today what did you buy and then I sprayed it's called it's a Tom Ford fragrance it's one of the private blend ones. Okay, yeah. Really nice. Um, I can't remember, I can't pronounce the name. Mm. Um, but I sprayed a couple on so I'm, this morning and I'm just waiting. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm going to, yeah. It's so weird because one woman, yeah, she sprayed some on my coat the other day. She was like, you're going to come back for this one. I'm not going to go back for it, but it's still on my coat. <laughs> oh, I want to smell it. It's hot. It's so annoying. She was like, this is based on sperm or something. Oh my God. Based <laughs> Yeah, seriously. Yeah, you heard right. Well, like, <laughs> what? what which animal sperm? I don't know. See, what she said was it's based on sperm. And based on sperm. It's What's like the base scent? Scent is it? <laughs> what's the common denominator? Sperm smell. Like, what's yeah. the base? Yeah, like, I have sperm. no idea. Is it woody or? It's not. No, it's not woody. It's 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 <laughs> woody. <laughs> but yeah, it just it's still on my coat. Oh my no, god. No, I don't. I don't like it. I'm not gonna go back. To it. Okay. But she said she said it's she said it's not a puff farm. She said it's an extract from something, which yeah. makes it a lot stronger. Yeah. Um. But yeah, just no, like, I'm still like, who donated this sperm? Which is an extract. Like, I, I need how to ask the sperm it? from. This is Man. this is a young lady in um in Selfridges. Wow. I might actually go back and ask her. Like, <laughs> we'll do it. But yeah. <laughs> other than that, <laughs> my week's been alright. Okay. Yeah. Every, every the exciting life. Yeah. Though. How about you, Alex? How's your week been? Um, we went to see Wrinkle in Time. Oh yes, we? yes we, we did. To, yeah, we went to see Wrinkle in Time. Um, so that was exciting. Uh, went to the, went are we to, allowed to talk about it? We, are we allowed to talk yeah. about what the film itself? Yeah, it was good. It was really good. I enjoyed it. Is so? Is it like Pan's Labyrinth where it's all fantasy and you have to suspend? Is it like just the blend is in, is wrong? I feel like Pan's Labyrinth because it was for adults. Yeah, it kind you kind of like they, they they could be a bit more explicit mm. with like you know obviously the civil war and you know and the the issues that come in between it. Yeah. Whereas this was like. It was a children's, it's a children's book, yeah. like it came from. And then obviously it's a children's movie. So everything, you had to kind of like, 
I cried my eyes out though. I don't know why. I really cried. It wasn't that emotional. <laughs> no, it was. But, like, no, I was no, like, that girl. Like, no. It was emotional. Like yeah. my friend was looking at me like you're actually a mug. I can't believe you're crying yeah. at this Disney film. I heard, I heard she was really good. She, she was, was incredible. Really good. She was really good. I feel like she has such a bright future ahead yeah, of her. Like yeah. she's an amazing. Like yeah, everything we else was to- crap. Just her. Yeah. I think there was a part where she was telling her brother like. Oh, you know, you love me. This is why you did this, yeah. and I just was—I lost it. And the it. thing is, and it reminded me of—I um, was saying because like it's a, it's a children's film. I don't know if any of you seen like Spy Kids three. I love Spy Kids three. Three D game over, right? Game over bit. There's like there's a bit where they go into like when I remember no. going and I was like, this is just such a childish film. But that's kind of what it was. If you were if you were young and watching that, you'd be like, oh my god, you'd all these different it. colors, the like yeah. the different places and stuff. It's kind of that same that same energy. Okay. You know what I mean? And I went to the Q and A and I saw um so Oprah, yeah, Oprah, and I saw um, Ava DuVernay and a Storm Reid. He was there. He was the the young girl who worked who worked who was the um, lead actress. Yeah. And Reese Witherspoon and Mindy Carling, and it was really good. It was really amazing stuff. So thanks Wait, to Mindy's Vamp. in it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. She's in it. She's in like this. I don't even know if they're gods. They're just w- women. Miss, they're called the misses, hmm. and like it's just three of them. So and she Mindy, talks Reese in um, and, um, in lyrics or Oprah. Are they yeah, like she, time lords or something? Yeah, like something like that. It's like basically Mindy's character is like she her her thoughts surpass language, so she can only express them through other people's words, like literature it was, it was or like song lyrics. Yeah, or... she will say a quote and then she will say where it's from, and then people. But you'll understand the meaning behind it, but she would never. Speak Speak her own words, like Bumblebee in oh. Transformers. That's where it went. That I was like, Bumblebee. Yeah, that's what I was It was good. Oh, like. I love Transformers. <laughs> it was good, man. Optimus like, Prime was, was like my second crush. Uh, huh? Yeah. Optimus Prime was voiced, <laughs> by, <laughs> was voiced by a black man, right? He's Bumblebee. so fine. I don't know what it is. I know it. The I robot. know he's a machine, but I have feelings for Optimus. Do you remember Prime. when girls were really out wow. here doing oh um Simba as well? Not Simba, man. My man from Planet of the Apes. Oh. What's what? Caesar? Caesar. Caesar. <laughs> I remember. Yeah, I loved him, but I never watched that. On Twitter, they were like, "Oh yeah, Caesar's fine." I was like, "You guys." No, no, no. <laughs> what do you think of the ant from Lord of the Rings? Like the tree shepherd, the guy he had. I'm not about that. But he had a really resonant voice. What the tree beard? Yeah, the tree beard. <laughs> no, come on, it was like was deep and like you know nature. Yeah, it was so slow and. Like, do you know who I loved? Um, <laughs> I don't know, man. Derek <laughs> Ultron. Prime. Yeah. No, win, actually, it is Ultron. 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 Ultron's voice is um, is it is it he's, James Spader? I think he's, he's in Blacklist. He's in Blacklist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's incredible. an amazing. Voice, yeah. Incredible. What did you ask you? He said who would win in a fight between Treebeard, um, Treebeard, and Optimus Prime. Treebeard and Optimus Prime. Optimus Prime. He can't. The thing is, he can't even electrocute the tree because you can't electrocute. Exactly. You can't electrocute trees. Can like grow roots into you and just destroy. I think the Treebeard would win. Castles. They just Treebeard would probably win. Probably. Mm. I think mm. so. Optimus Prime is voiced by a white guy. I thought it was black. Oh. Why? Yeah, I don't know. It just has it just has this 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 bass that bass that black men have. Black men have, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I just assumed I was just like There's something oh. in the candor of it, it just sounded mildly like yeah. colonial. Yeah, yeah. No, honestly. <laughs> I'm, just, what? I'm just saying. The yeah, it's a Canadian. Canadian uh voice. No, colonial. No, the dude's Canadian, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Right. Huh. Anyway, big shout out to Vamp anyway. Like, <laughs> us to the Q and A and whatnot. Yeah. Um, got to meet Ava and it was really nice. nice. That was my week. Me. Okay. So. If there's anything else you need to add? Uh, what did I do? Oh, we went to Wow Fest and Minkosa, and um, I saw the love of my life, and she's changed me. Who? Chimamanda Auntie. Oh. Um. <laughs> 
like <laughs> oh, did you <laughs> I was literally like who are you talking about um yeah so um it was amazing she's I, really out here glowing these days isn't she right she As is in on fleet she's on really fleet. reclaiming her time she's I'm not yeah like, <laughs> yeah, and we had oh, an amazing reception beforehand. Jude Kelly, the outgoing artistic like, director of the South Bank Center. Who, yeah. And yeah. she was like telling us about Wildfest and why it's so amazing and important for women and why women need to get together. And so the, the talk really tied well into that. And uh, shout out Rennie, like, yeah, absolute bits. Yeah, she, she won the Jalak Prize. She just yeah. won the Jalak yeah, Prize. She won the Jalak Prize. And so she was there interviewing Trimanda, and it was less of an interview, more so like a, a conversation. Yeah. yeah. But I saw Trimanda, guys, as in the woman who made me love. Like, I think she introduced African literature to me. Even contemporary me. African yeah. literature. Yeah. So Things Fall Apart was amazing. Mm. She kind of, she kind yeah. At the end of Things Fall Apart, mm. uh, the black voice per se, and then that colonial voice where mm. it change, changes. Um, and that aspect of the ending was very powerful to me in that we just heard of a story of African people and then it just switched and you realise that this story was told for another lens completely and you mm. had to go in and really dissect how you, you actually took it the first time whereas the end of um, Half Gillow Sun as much as I hated it because someone goes missing and you, then you never know anything about it it was just so powerful because I was mm. like mm. shit mm. like I need an ending and I'm not fulfilled Yeah, so. mm. I don't okay. think that's what Chebby was doing at the end of things I think part. that's what he was doing No, no. I what don't, do you think he was doing? I think what he was doing was basically showing you I have literally just told you a whole story, mm-hmm. yeah, right? From my perspective, as an African, as mm-hmm. a person who lives in Ibola, from Iboland. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now from the colonial perspective, he's like, I could probably fit this in to a couple of lines. And he's basically, he's basically saying that what the Western world does is they compress our history and our, our stories into a few lines when realistically, you can write books on them. Mm-hmm. I think that's what he's trying I to think, do. I mean, I, I think that's credible, but at the same time, you realise the perspectives that have changed in that there is a story that hasn't been told, essentially, mm. and you're now reading it, but... But Chebby you, just told the story, that's what I mean. Yeah, he has, but then don't you think that because the perspective changes at the end, one on one aspect, you can look at it as, look, our history has been told, and this, these last paragraphs is exactly what we hear. Absolutely right, and I, I always advocate for uh, that, but, uh, sorry, Alex... At the same, at the same time, at the same time, I don't think that's what Achebe was doing because he he chose to write in English for a specific reason because he wanted to reach the most amount of people with the story, and absolutely like this is that that was a conscious choice, and you're telling a colonial story Mm. from the colon the colonizer's language. He wasn't. Don't you think that there is something? No, 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 no. He wasn't telling a he wasn't telling a colonial story. He was telling an African story from a colonial language. Inua, please, what do you think? (laughs) <laughs> there was this I remember reading an essay about it and um Chinua was asked specifically about the way he rich wrote this you know and the way it, I think it was someone critiquing his his ability to express himself mm-hmm. and he wrote there was a there was a paragraph which he wrote in two different ways one in the sort of simplified sort of way in which um one tries to translate to communicate various like aspects of you know etc yeah and another one in the sort of like the british reporter's way and he just showed that he could do both yeah. mm. quite he just displayed it and this is but i chose to write it like this yeah. so i think if there was any switch with with, with um with, with the language used to tell the story it was completely deliberate i don't That's think it. yeah 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 and mm. so i think i'm 
I think I agree with Derek. With Derek, yeah. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, you don't agree. I don't agree. That's all. Okay. Oh, I marvelous. Think, what I think is very important is yeah. that I think there needs to be a. It's open to interpretation. Yeah. I don't know as if it he should be. As it should be. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I feel like he, he, he was showing that I've told you a story. Mm. And at the end, this is how it's normally told to the people, which I yeah. completely like, I give credit to. But I also think he's giving us an opportunity to look at the way language is used with regards to telling stories. That you can hear a story. But then you also, there's so much missing from yeah. it. But I don't think I don't think he needed that flip at the end to convey that meaning. The fact that he wrote it in English, you get the fact he did that. That's enough to say. I wonder what mm, this would be because I, one because of the way he anglicizes certain words. He writes mm-hmm. ibo ibo instead of igbo because he wants people to um, basically be able to pronounce it when they're when yeah. they're reading it. Do you understand? So the fact that he did that opens the conversation up to what you're saying right. you need to do the switch at the end for that to happen I therefore I feel like it serves a different purpose okay <laughs> so that was fun sorry Inua how's your week been <laughs> <laughs> um, and what are you reading lately today Saturday how's my week been uh K, K- well, I can't remember it's been chaotic yeah. um a couple of really exciting things have happened which I can't talk about just yet okay. um, but yeah I've been trying to sell books trying to question the selling of books um, <laughs> judging poetry competitions I'm sorry short story competitions um, uh, yeah trying to find a director for another play I think I found one which is going to be on next year Amazing. sort of artistic directing the photo um, shoot for the publicity around that which is which is all kind of exciting okay. um and uh, what else? Lots of admin. Yeah. <laughs> Life and, admin. Uh, yeah, yeah. And people forget there's a lot of admin for these things. Mega, mega project that I'm doing with the National Theatre's Immersive Storytelling Studio. Yeah. And yeah, so just lots of like deep um, clockwork work. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, yeah mm. just, just all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. But largely good, I think. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, so do you actually have time to read then? <laughs> like so, for pleasure? Um, not as much as I'd like to, if I'm mm. honest. Lots of people send me books. I contribute work to anthologies, and they send to me, and I'm like, thank you. I can't even read. Every, like, I just just piles and piles of books around. I think. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, it's relatable still. Yeah, yeah. But oh, it's all good. It's been a pos- a good week. Lots of um, milestones. Mm-hmm. Good, yeah. good, good. Yeah, good, good, good. Okay, so what are you reading? What is the what was the last book you read? Um, what was the last book I read? Oh God, we haven't done that. Yikes. Um. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> uh, ooh, it's called um, Understanding Comics. Mm. Yeah. Um, his name escapes me now. I have it on my phone. Um, actually, let me just pull it up and show it to you. Okay. And it was just explaining how comics comics work. Like, I know how comics... Like, like I read them. And having it deconstructed um, was, was just really magnificent. It was like someone... Right. Um, explaining how a magic trick works mm. yeah it was by a guy called scott mcleod scott mcleod and yeah it was really really good okay understanding comics yeah okay okay yeah. i think i mean actually what are you reading alex me yeah yeah um i'm reading fences at the beginning oh. i'm reading fences oh nice and it's so is it detailed like dialogue heavy because i know the film is was dialogue, so dialogue but it's heavy. a play yeah so like plays obviously it's so emphasized on language i'm looking for monologues so i'm going through it trying to find if there's something in there that i can use for next term but um, that ro- that film was but like him just you know, showing off yeah because um who denzel yeah but then, did you know what like, it's not even that so i was watching because i was watching um um some interviews with viola davis and denzel and like viola was kind of going in saying you know they've done the, they think they've performed the play like over a hundred times and they've rehearsed it more 
times, obviously, because mm. they're doing that back to back every day. So they know it inside out. But they just they were talking about it's a process that they were saying that mm. like, how much they kind of like unlock about the character every time they do it a new time. Mm. And um, it was really interesting. And I realized like I've actually got the play. Let me read the play, and I should be doing like yeah. my homework this this term. But um, yeah, it's a really good play. It's so fast paced. I think I'm just like rattling through like mm. the dialogue. I mean, Denzel's character has a or Troy has loads of dialogue. I'm just like you're just saying a lot here all the time, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all the time. Chatting. And then it gets to Rosie, she's like, "Stop lying, man!" And it's just like and this long, long, long <laughs> like uh, spiel that he comes with. But it's actually good. It's actually good so far. So that's you, what I'm reading. Do you know what I was wondering? I was wondering if Viola Davis has performed that character on stage better than she performed it in the movie. She. Remember, for, oh, I'm, I'm speaking like I know, but I was saying when um, watching the video, watching the interviews that she was saying, mm. she was like, um, you know, it was just so because obviously films are different; they're slower because mm. obviously it's like one side. She could say one speech from one angle, cut, and then say another one from another, and they just take whatever's good. Yeah, and um, so I guess you probably have more time. Yeah. To kind of like, you know, like perfect and articulate certain bits mm. and have the communication with them. Yeah. But otherwise, like, I'm really unsure because they, they know they know the play inside yeah. out. So it's like just you one, say, they just accumulate. Yeah, yeah, so it's just them running that again and again was and it, again. Was it, was, was it filmed like a pl- I haven't seen the film. I haven't seen the film either. I haven't seen the film either, um, but it looks like... It seemed like a play. It yeah. looked... It felt like because, a play. Yeah, because actual play... Because there was one location. Yeah. Yeah, so one, yeah the, the play is one, li- like, literally... It though. Yeah, the play is literally just the front of the house. Or, like, the yard. Or yeah, it was the yard, so yeah. the That's literally what the... the yeah, yeah, that's what the play is. Mm. So it's... um. So she was like, she was saying, oh, it's amazing, like, when, when I actually did the film and then there's an actual kitchen and it's, like, actually, mm. like... Mm putting yourself into that world it's yeah. just completely different but yeah that's what I'm reading I'm reading Fences so okay. hoping that um, some topics have arisen already yeah. in the first scene and I was like wow <laughs> this is powerful yeah, so stuff. what yeah. are you reading Derek? I'm reading um amazing book I can talk about I, I, I can't talk about it. it's called Inner City Pressure by Dan Hancock oh yeah you're reading yeah the, yeah. basically the story of grime <laughs> it's fucking phenomenal man it's so good is he a white guy? yeah, yeah but in this case, that's absolutely not relevant. Really? Absolutely not. Why? Because at the end of the day, grime, although it's obviously at the beginning, it came out of like, you know, the reggae culture and the sound clashing uh, culture and that right, kind of thing. Yeah. So it's a black it's a black music genre. Mm-hmm. But where the estates that it came out from, they were there were white working class kids on those estates growing up with those same yeah. people. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And someone like Dan Hancock, who was obviously interviewing a lot of people at the time and whatnot. Like, it's not, it's not like hip-hop where you've got projects where there's just a large concentration of black people only living there. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? They all grew up together. They create hip-hop. And then a white guy, someone like Eminem, I'll say, comes and takes the music for, you know, for profit to basically put a, a white face on black music. It's different. I think that's very... Hmm? I think that's quite... Um, What's the word? What? what that's tri- that's tri- trivialising. Trivialising what? Him. Eminem's background. Yeah. Anyway, not, this is about grime, but we can... Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll, come, okay, we'll come back to... Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so people, like, it's almost like they had nothing to gain. Uh, so, so someone like Devlin, mm-hmm. spitting grime, someone like Scratchy, they were just basically embracing the culture. They were like, it was part of their culture because grime, although it's black, is a very working class thing as well. And obviously, the, yeah, yeah. the way it is here, it's not the same in America, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, Dan Hancock, he really captures like this real 
because he starts the book off with um, the book starts with Dizzy Rascal versus Crazy Titch this fucking iconic clash up yeah. on a on a roof and he describes that at the beginning and then he goes he starts with he really contextualizes he starts with um, you know gentrification and how people were forced into certain areas and blah blah blah, blah. he goes it's really it's a really it's a really it's like a social document it's really mm. good um, and just the way he talks about things he referenced the great Gatsby in there I was just because basically you know Canary Wharf yeah. I mean, does he not get bored Canary Wharf yeah, it, it, <laughs> you know there's a build there's a building with like a flashing wow. light on the top and yeah. he, he basically um, lightens that to right, yeah yeah to the, to the green light because obviously yeah. Dizzy Rascal in one interview says he used to look at the flashing light and know that he can then put like there's money that's that represents money Tinchy Strider said the same thing so he really does that and I was like yeah that's that's after that I, I was sold basically that's nice <laughs> he, he had me after that do you know what I mean oh but I'm, I'm enjoying it. It's good. He's a great writer as well. Okay, I'm gonna um, read my copy. But yeah, Inner City Pressure, like it's yeah, it's a it's a good book. I reckon it's gonna it's gonna it will definitely stand the test of time as like a social document when it comes. I think to it's grind. definitely needed. Um, Absolutely, because it's such an instrumental part of like London culture in particular, but UK urban mm. culture too, especially with the growth of um, artists. British artists at the minute. Mm. I think it's necessary to have something there as a foundation for it to move and grow mm. for different places. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. Most definitely. Sorry, so Eminem. Oh, no, wait, one no. second. Before we get there. What, 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 what? Are we going to move on to... What, Let's just we... finish it first. Okay, finish, go on. But, um, yes, when when, you, when we were talking about thought, thought by, and I was like, oh, yeah, you're right, actually, because of where he comes from yeah. and the way he grew up and the people oh, he grew okay, up yeah, with yeah. and yeah. the battles and that kind of thing. Exactly. It's a different situation. So, so there's obviously... Uh, who else can we say? What's that guy's name? He done that thrift shop song. What's his name? Oh. No, or Iggy Azalea. No, yeah, that's no, 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 okay. no, 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 Oh, um, I know we're having a conversation. <laughs> like, on, what are you reading? Um, okay, so I am reading uh, the African Kane Prize shortlisted essays. Um, which year to 2017 last mm. year and there's a few Tanzanian writers in there especially there's a story called The Goddess of Mtwara which Mtwara I'm not trying to anglicise it and um, <laughs> and that is the, the actual title of the book um, and that's what I'm reading kind of talking about but essentially a love story in uh, set in Tanzania essentially and I love it because it has like Kiswahili in it and it just has all these jokes really that I can Swahili. get. You love that language. I'm just, it's my language. What do you mean? Like, <laughs> is it my own that you can't speak your own? Yeah. Anyway. Oh, wow. <laughs> I knew it was coming for me. Oh, I just no, I you kind of exposed your neck there. Like, <laughs> I did, I did. <laughs> like, Goodbye. Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely love it. It just mm. makes me feel, I never had this. And now mm. I'm like, oh my God, it's actually out there because I didn't know that it was. Um, is there a dictionary in, like on the front page? that Nothing. 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 Oh. So, she tries to, def- I don't even think she does it. Like she doesn't really, she doesn't achieve it, just puts it in there and mm. you know. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm reading. Oh God, I feel like I'm reading something else. I'm still finishing Tommy's book. And I just, yeah. Um, in a... Mad sexual frustration in there, I just realised. Okay, so. Don't you think? Uh, in what, Blood and Bone? Yeah. Let people read it. Let's not spoil it. It only came out last week. Yeah, let's not spoil it. Mm. Since yet. when did we ever worry about spoilers on this no. show <laughs> anyways yeah so that's what I'm, oh, I'm also reading um eleanor oliphant yeah. is completely fine completely fine is it 
Uh, I am. I met, her, I met the author. The There's other. a lot of hype around that book, isn't it? Yeah, because she won. It. She won the Costa Prize. Yeah. Um, what's her name? Gail Honeyman. Gail Honeyman. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm. I'm reading. Started reading that. Um, I quite enjoy it actually. Yeah. yeah it's quite like a. An easy story, read, right? and there's this uh, comic comedy side of it where uh, the main character just really does is not here for the younger generation. Yeah, I love it. Um, so yeah, so yeah. those are the what I'm reading. Cool. Currently, righty. Cool. Finally, we're done. Yeah, <laughs> we are. That was a lot. Um, do you have a gem this week? I don't no? have a gem okay. this week. I've really been slacking with my gems. Yeah. Um, I mean, just because there's been so much going on. Same with me and the best life reads. Literally having like, to like dig through my memory of, of books that I think. Step there's books up. I can talk about, but I just yeah. don't think there's books that I can say, oh, this is a hidden gem because yeah. everybody's read it. And so I really need to just go through my mind and think, what have I read? Yeah. Go through your library. That, so. and see. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> moving swiftly. We move on swiftly. No gems oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, just conscious of time. Um, Oi, right? I know, right? right? Sorry, no, yes, yes. What did you say? I, I love the trailer, but I mean, I saw parts of it already. I mean, <laughs> trailer of what? Are we? I, I think the first trailer is better. Of what? I, th- I, I agree. Of Avengers. I think the first trailer more, is yeah. better. Oh, it's more, yeah. It yeah. more. When it came out, I was like, shit. I'm not gonna lie. I was expecting one. to see the Fantastic Four in this trailer. <laughs> I was expecting to see them. I think they're going to be in the movie. Either this one or the next one. I hope not. I think they will. Absolutely will. Who would play them though? Because like... Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking question. who would play them? Because they can't use Michael B. Jordan anymore. They cannot use any of the ones that have come before in all the different Fantastic Fours. Yeah. They can't. They actually can't. They cannot do it. No, they can't. Because one of Well, because the... one of them is Chris Evans exactly. and the other one Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. So... Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, but I think they they will definitely be in either this one or the next one. One hundred percent. I hope not, because they just I feel like because mm, they they're they they're important to the story. So I th- I think they'll be in it. Yeah, they are. Um, but, I'm really yeah. I'm really looking forward to the film. I really hope it doesn't bomb. I'm fucking praying it doesn't bomb. Literally, I think you, I'm gonna watch oh. it regardless. Many many times. Of course. I heard a rumor, yeah. So I don't think this is a spoiler because I don't know. Okay. <laughs> but apparently, Captain America dies in this. I mean, you can't say anything. I don't know. Like I just said, I don't know. Okay. Just the rumor. Okay. I honestly don't think they will kill any of the main characters. They're not stupid. Look, at the end of the day... Well, some contracts are running out. So yeah, yes. it's the second film. But at the end of the day, the look, one. these are billion dollar characters. They want to make money at the end of the day. Yeah. Let's not forget that. So they're not going to kill Iron Man in uh, Avengers. They're not going to kill it. Iron Man. They're not going to kill Captain America. So they I... can't kill Thor. Mm. Do you know what I mean? They'll probably... I know that he's going to kill Gamora. Gamora's going to die in this movie. Thanos is going to kill Gamora in this movie. 100%. Yeah, She's going to sacrifice her life. I think Captain America, they'll kill him off. Nah. No, see, and, and, in the and comics, I'll, I'll, I think they'll kill him off in the second one. Not this one. In the comics, he died after the, the invasion, right? Not after the Infinity Wars. Mm. Wait, in the comics, didn't... I thought someone died oh, in Civil invasion. War. Yeah. Apparently, they're bringing that into the... Um, into the, in the civil in, not into into the, into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Really? Apparently, they're bringing the secret uh, invasion. Alex is sitting there like I don't even talk about. But, <laughs> <laughs> but apparently, I have to what, send Alex a list. Yeah. 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 yeah, I mean, I mean, I got the list of the order in which to yeah. read, watch them. Have you started? Yeah. No, because I'm busy. <laughs> Just, You're wasting your time, night, you know. The yeah. film's coming out soon. Yeah, yeah. So, catch up, catch and it'll up. go out, and I'll watch it when I watch it. The Inhumans—they're going to be in it as well, I think. The Inhumans, apparently. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, no, they I'm are. I'm a fan of the Inhumans. They just annoyed me a bit. Yeah, I didn't even watch the series. Yeah, neither did I. <laughs> I didn't. I don't uh, think anyone watched the series. <laughs> <laughs> they really put it in IMAX as well. No one went to watch it. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> the, what, the series. First, the they first the series episode in was in IMAX cinema. Oh, wow. Mm. Wow. But yeah, I, I heard it was absolutely terrible. Wait. 
Ultra, no, uh, Vision. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they're going to kill him. They won't kill off Vision. Are you sure? Don't, Vision's a robot, bruv. Yeah, not really. And he's made of vibranium. Like a mind. Huh? He's a... Well, yeah, he's... Yeah, exactly. He's an he's artificial mind, intelligence yeah. inside a vibranium body. I don't think he's going to yeah. die. The way they put him all the way at the back on that poster, I wasn't feeling it, considering <laughs> that I genuinely feel like he is one of the biggest, well, where, most important characters. Where's Hawkeye? Where's Ant-Man? Oh, no, come on, like... And I maybe you couldn't see him. Hawk, right? <laughs> but Hawkeye, literally, or whatever. Ah, oh, I hate him. I feel like he's so irrelevant. I uh, what? Yeah, he's not irrelevant. He's irrelevant. What does he do? What can he do? He, if he's, irrelevant. he's like reminds me of Black Widow. Relevant. No, That's Black not fair. Widow Black Widow is irrelevant. Hawkeye as a guru, you Hawkeye, there? Come on, kind of like like well, what are you doing? Really? How is she irrelevant? I feel like because I don't know. I just feel like she needs maybe she needs her own film so I can know her. But I feel like I just didn't know Natasha. You know? I don't think. Well, that's the point, isn't it? Nobody well, I've knows seen Natasha. Is those memes. <laughs> Natasha's like like giving was it Io looking at Io left. <laughs> Have you not seen oh, the they're still screwing each other. Yeah, she's with each other, and she's like, and I was just like, I wish she would. I wish you would come and just step to me. Do you remember in Civil War when she's like, move, or you will be, <gasps> be moved? Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, Ayo. Okay, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Anyway, I was like, Ayo? Let's move on from the, from the Avengers. Um, <laughs> and let's get into it. <laughs> okay, let's get into Messy Lit. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this week, guys, we obviously, we got Inyo here. Um, so we're going to be talking about his amazing play, the Barbershop Chronicles, and probably touching on other bits around, his work around it, and his work and his life world. and whatnot. Um, so, Inya, do you want to start just by like telling us a bit like where the Barbershop Chronicles came from? Oh yeah. my God, I've answered this question. I know, but we're asking you again. Oh, so. <laughs> uh, wow. Um, okay, how did it start? 2009. <laughs> it was a summer's day. <laughs> no, um, I was dating someone and she gave me this flyer. Wow, so it's all her. Yeah, it's all her. <laughs> and actually... It, it truly is because I was digging through my I don't know stuff and I found that initial flyer and I took a picture and sent yeah. it to her saying yo it all came from this thing and she gave me this flyer which was this pilot project to teach barbers about counselling oh wow and I thought whoa alright this conversation get this deep that's almost to teach barbers how to hand like how that's to a good it. shout though yeah. yeah and then I was thinking Hold on. So they they want the counseling sessions to happen in the barbershop, not like to teach them, then take them out to a clinic. But mm. to, I was like, okay, so there's something interesting about barbershops here that that's going on, and um, I just wanted to like go there and write poems about all of this. I just thought, you know, I'd be a bit of a voyeur, just listening to the conversation, the training, try to write rhymes about it, and I try to get to create a project about it, which would be funded, but no one was going to pay me to write <laughs> rhymes about barbers. But the idea just kind of stayed with me and I began to figure out various things about myself mm. when you know I left Nigeria in 1996 and um um I used to go to the barber shop to the barbers with my dad mm. but when we left and came over here money was really tight so I began to cut my father's hair and he would cut mine that was just one way to like just not spend extra money mm. so I completely forgot about barbershops they just like fade they just just they just fell out of my life mm. and then I went to Ireland where I used to follow a few of my friends to get um, I lived there for three years to get their haircuts and the barbers just looked at me in fear like oh just don't ask me <laughs> like you know mm. so I just learned I just, I just didn't even bother asking yeah. so even there for three years barbershops just did not exist to me at all and then I came back here moved to Peckham and I was just walking past barbershops just thinking what are they doing why are they up to like like 3am just chatting why, why he's gonna punch oh no he's not punching him he's just he's just excited yeah. so they became places of mystery to mm. me but I never wanted to go back into barbershop because I got used to cutting my hair myself 
and um, I never had money enough to be able to afford eight pounds every. Like I was really money was really tight. Oh, back back when it was eight pounds. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Exactly. <laughs> so I thought it was five pounds. Or was that kids hair? Maybe kids hair. Kids yeah. hair. Yeah. yeah. So in the midst of all of this, I was kind of looking for a reason to be able to just hang around in barbershops and trying to make it into a project was a legitimate reason. So I, I tried to like, um, I, the word weaponized popped into my head, but that's the wrong word. I tried to make my interest work. And that mm. was okay. So go back, chill into barbershop. If I can't write poems about them, what else can I do about them? And slowly the idea of trying to make it into a play came. And yeah. That's how it started. Okay. Yeah. Okay, okay. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. What if, so was that? Sorry, was that the kind of? So which came which came first, the idea for the play, yeah, or the essay in the Good Immigrant? Oh, the idea for the play. Okay, right. Okay. So the other play came um, around 2013. I did um, maybe a month of research and development in just visiting barbershops in mm. South London, and then I did another week in Leeds. Then I had all of this really interesting material. And a typical Nigerian faction, I was like, ah, how can I go bigger? <laughs> <laughs> how, can I, how, can I, how can I expand this? So I spoke to the National Theatre and I spoke with my theatre producers. And I said, I want to go to just the African continent. Just give me some money. I'll just travel with a dictaphone, just me on my own. I remember we agreed to do all of this. Then that same week, Nelson Mandela died. And we oh already planned God. to go to South Africa anyway. Mm. Oh so I arrived days. in Johannesburg, just yeah. wilding out. Just everyone just... Oh, it was just it was just crazy yeah. and, and the conversation at the barbershop was just next level mm. so from there I tried to get in Zimbabwe I couldn't so I just ended up visit, um, interviewing, interviewing Zimbabweans in, in, in Johannesburg what, then didn't I went, you go to Kenya? Um, yeah I yeah. went to Kenya then Uganda then Nigeria then Ghana then came back mm. and so I had all of that research saved the best for last year yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. it, was short, it was the shortest paragraph no. it was the shortest paragraph yeah. well. I liked it when you went to Kenya because I was like oh east yeah mm. Yeah. Anyway, and that was it. So I came back with a lot of this information that I wrote various drafts of the play until Nikesh dropped me a line. Actually, no. So <laughs> I went to a secret WhatsApp group with Nikesh, a friend of Michael Musa, Kwonga, yeah. and, and uh, um, Shimen. And we were just like back and forth chatting bullshit on Twitter like we usually do. Then the conversation transpired when Nikesh was complaining about something. Then Musa was like, okay, well, write your own book of things, right? Then Nikesh said, fine, then I fucking will. <laughs> so mm. it was, then Musa was like, okay, I'm going to write an essay. So all of those conversations, I was just, they're just like, like a little bird in this, in the, you know, on the shoulders of their conversations. Mm. Then after all of this transpired, I was like, Nikesh, can I write an essay? <laughs> why, why aren't you going to ask me? <laughs> so I came up with various essays and I pitched them to him. And that was the one um, um, he wanted me to work on. Oh, okay. Right, okay. Yeah, so that's how we came about. Okay, okay, yeah. okay, okay. Nah, man, I saw the, I saw Barbershop Chronicles last year. And that is one of like, I think it's just, I think it's important because it did kind of raise a bit like those questions about what it means to kind of like, be, obviously be a black man in those spaces and obviously mm. what it feels like having those conversations with your barber. Because I even spoke to my barber like last week and um, he even said that, you know, he should get um, a counsellor, he should be, get a counselling degree because all the all the conversations he has with the mm. people, that he, the hair that he cuts and the stuff that they come up and talk to him about, he gives them advice and just continue and you know and it's just a revolving door of different guys that go into his chair mm. so it was once seeing that on stage it was like obviously because on stage you've got the you've got the the british stop the british shop mm -hmm. 
and then you've got obviously you've, I mean, did they go to did you go to Ghana on the yeah. on the stage yeah. Yeah, yeah to Ghana and then um, the various countries and it was just so like empowering just to mm. see all those different those different elements happen I want to know how much did you how much impact did you have in like the the creation of like the way that they work because you know they've got um you know when you go in they're all dancing mm. and everything like did you have much input in there and like with the transitions between the countries or well like, did I, I they wrote it specifically consult? like that yeah like I knew I needed movement and I needed music yeah. I don't know how it would come about but I created those spaces and those scene transitions expecting we'd have to go from middle of Ghana to like the middle of like Peckham mm. quickly mm. Um, from Accra sorry to middle of London quickly mm. and we need something to suggest and communicate the fact we're country hopping and culture hopping and music hopping um, and yeah so in the in the, in the rehearsal room all of those conversations were just happening around me and me, I was feeding into some things, but just largely letting the creative team get on with it until they asked me direct questions and I'd, I'd pretend I know the answer. Yeah. Yeah, but it was good. So speaking of like, the, obviously the the transitions that you made and the connections between the different places like Ghana, Tottenham and all that, the, obviously in the play, there's the obvious um, similarities that you've obviously you've peppered in there. You've like, but when you were doing your research, were there any similarities that took you by surprise where you just kind of like whoa wow oh, completely yeah like i explored that in the essay just where you'd see the same cultural dynamics that exist in nigeria the same beef between tribes you see the <laughs> same thing in kenya like mm. whoa you guys do the same thing we do you know mm. and i think that's the thing i thought we were all different then i realized we were all the same Mm. Then I realized we were all different as well. It was yeah. just layers of, of 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 peeling. It completely, completely surprised me. So yeah, lots, lots of similarities, lots of um, new cultural nuances, lots of just ways of thinking about you know the Oyinbo, you know Nigerians in the UK, yeah. and just ways in Nigeria. I have this phrase called JJC, the journey just comes. And yeah, it's like yeah. res- resentment. We have people for people who basically come like freshies. Come yeah, freshies exactly. Yeah, same dynamic. Journey yeah. just comes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, same dynamic mm. in all of those countries. Oh, it was it was it was mind boggling to me. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So many things. Yeah. What have your kind of experiences been in the barbershop? You know what's really strange? I don't have experiences in the barbershop. What do you mean? So you know you know there's something that really encapsulates my experience in the barbershop. There mm. was a tweet that went out. It was a funny tweet. The guy basically the tweet said, Oh, when you try and bust conversation with your barber, he tells you to hold your head still. <laughs> that is literally me. Like, I can't, I don't know what it is. Like, I've had a couple barbers in my time and I've never, I don't know what it is. I really don't know what it is. I've never been able to like really. Connect. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I laugh at some of the, like, you know, I just laugh at some of the jokes. Never. Or wow. when, when they're speaking tree, obviously they think I don't understand. Then I'll laugh a bit and then they'll be like, oh, so you understand tree? And I'm just like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Mm. You know what I mean? But never to the point where I've like jumped out of the chair shouting about something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and all that. Even though the thing is like when they're having the discussion in my head, I'm arguing with them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? So you're, you're more like observing what's happening. Yeah, observing. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And I can understand the atmosphere. And it just, mm. it does feel safe. It feels nice to yeah. be around your your people, them and, and that kind of thing. Once. But so yeah, I've never, it's never been like that for me. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So obviously like when I was going through the play, it was just like, it, 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 you you definitely capture a lot the essence of what the barbershop is about mm. the conversations that they had but then there's also the football bonding agent again because mm. I hate football yeah. that's not there for me as well yeah, do you yeah, know what I mean depends, and obviously yeah. if I was a football passionate football fan 
I think it would be a lot easier to go into a barbershop and have these conversations. Barbershop yeah. should be discussing books then. <laughs> no, no, I mean, they can discuss what they like, of course. Yeah. When they discuss politics as well. I mean, yeah. I, I'm, I know a few things about, you know, politics in Ghana and Nigeria, but still I'm just in my head listening yeah. and talking, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Right? I don't know. I feel like <laughs> what I was your experience in the barbershop? I, I've actually had one experience in the barbershop and my, um, my aunt. So when I was younger, I had lice. Did yeah, you? yeah. I thought black people couldn't get lice. No, that's a lie. It's that's a lie. Yeah, no, lie. I remember reading yeah, it. Yeah, no, it's, like, an like, actual, it's an actual lie. It's an actual lie. No, it's a lie. <laughs> in the scalp. So I went. I um. I went. <laughs> I, can't live. I went swimming like when I was like in year four, or whatever. Go and um, there was this girl called Denise. Denise, you are the reason why my hair got cut. Um. Yeah, and so I got lice from her, mm-hmm. and my aunt wasn't having it. She was just like, just take it all off, and I I cried. I feel like that's somehow abuse. But um, so my so my uncle took me to the barber. Before he cuts off your hair at home, why did um, he take you to the barber shop? To to cut your hair? Went, at was, least he took you to the barber, and yeah, they didn't, didn't just shave off at home. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, I would have so shaved um, off. So he um he he took yeah he took me there, and I sat. Give you a shape up? No, it was just. <laughs> um, wow. I hated it. I just and I've taken the boys to the barbers, um, like the little one. And it's just so uncomfortable. I just go sometimes and drop them off and leave mm. because I'm just like, well, I can't really. And also, I, I see that they kind of they're just like, what are mm. you doing here? Oh, Do you no. know what I mean? It's like, Do you know what? But yeah, I'm, I'm I'm I can't really add anything to no. your barber. That would no, be a nice masculine episode. <laughs> I'll, I'll give it? you this one. Because <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 my like because my barber shop is split between barber and hairdresser. Mm-hmm. So obviously there's this little. I don't go to the hairdresser. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Most of them are like that these days. Yeah. Really. So whenever we're having a debate, like you know, so the women they chime in yeah. and like because it's, it's yardies as well. It's just like everyone is just or just Caribbean people. Actually, everyone starts to just banter from just across the everywhere like you're having a conversation with the barber and then you just got one woman that just chimes like, in chimes right, in Nicki Minaj. everyone's there yeah everyone literally there just like gives their two cents and sometimes it's a lot of the mums that bring their boys as well mm. and you know the only relationship that I have maybe that is similar is my uh my nail and waxing lady <laughs> oh my god <laughs> I feel like the ladies will be able to relate to that so mm. my nail lady knows about my life Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. But what makes it such a, what makes it such a space that is so, like, comfortable for yeah. it to... You're doing personal things, aren't you? You're really in each other's I space. Think so. And it's like vanity on show. And it's, like, yeah. comfortable for you to be vain. Yeah. Just checking out yourself in the mirror and all of yeah. that stuff. And if, if that's accepted... That's really true. Then so, yeah. That's really true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Also, someone's in control of how you look at that, at that point. Mm. And you're just kind of, like... You're not in control of anything. But it's really, you're actually, you're yeah, literally, it's you're very nice. It's like a yeah. vulnerable position yeah, to be in, right? Once they, put out, like, once they put the apron on you and they're like, what, do you, what Com- you're having, yeah. you're stuck. Completely. You're bound and like... Trust them. Yeah. Like, you have to exude like, it's all good. It's all, <laughs> it's all right here, whatever <laughs> happens. Yeah, so I think that, that plays an element. Yeah. True. Even, yeah. when they, even when they push your hairline back a bit, Who's hairline? They've done it to me. The thing That's is, I, issue. like, <laughs> actually, let me tell you. This, Why is your hairline this, direct? It's gone. My hairline's gone. Did one it's one boring. story, yeah. Like, I was at a barber shop, right? And um, my barber, he was like, he was cutting someone else's hair. And you know, when they've got someone new, they're kind of like, oh, just let him cut. He's good. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously, you don't want to let him cut. But no. I was just like, because I, I was just like, okay, Uncle Cool, I sat down with him. And then he's, he's, he's shaping me up, shaping me up. And I'm watching him and I'm like, this guy has done something different with both sides of my head. <laughs> and then it, it got to the point where I think he clocked. So what he did was, he was like, he stopped and he said, which side do you like better? <laughs> he said, this side or this side? And I was thinking, what if I said the side that was... Um, like you can't reverse it. You can't yeah. reverse it. Yeah. So why are you asking me this stupid question? <laughs> no, <laughs> I was so vexed, bro. So vexed. But yeah, I did I did go back to that barber shop. Yeah, so, I, so vexed. Have you ever cheated on your barber? Oh my God. Sorry, this is... This is... This is <sighs> I mean, yeah. This is, a, this is a problem. I mean, of course, Derek's not loyal. <laughs> the thing is, I, I cheated on my barber because it was a Nigerian guy, right? And he was, he was cool and everything. But he had this... The thing is, I've noticed, with Ghanaian barbers, yeah, mm. when they will be having their conversation, but they'll they'll step away from your head for maybe five seconds, then they'll remember themselves to come back yeah. and carry on doing. With my Nigerian barbers, they'll step away for about five minutes. Yes, I've only had my hair cut by a Nigerian man once. Then, then come back. And yeah. I can't be like, uncle, look, can you just... Do you know what I mean? Because I can't really pipe up like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just have to sit down and, and keep quiet. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But that's yeah. So when that happens and the barber keeps going away from my head five ten minutes at a time, I don't go back to them again. Yeah, they, I, I'd never go back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, you and you have you? Oh, uh, you, oh, you said you didn't because you. Um... Well, yeah, but my guy and I, his name is Peter. He was actually the barber, the barbing consultant for the play. Okay. Yeah, so he just and he he used to want to be an actor when he was a kid. So the play was just he was just refining, just rediscovering his old self in many ways, which is just lovely. Um, but yeah, no, I haven't cheated on him since I started using him. It's just it's my, the thing is I hardly go there because I'm always faffing around somewhere yeah. mm. in another part of the world or something. And every time I'm like, I'm sorry, I haven't come to the shop in a while. Like I know I follow you on Instagram. I know you're not. <laughs> so it's all good. But yeah. no, if if he doesn't cut my hair, I do it myself in the shower. It, like it's one of those big contentions. Like we um we had the live show a few weeks ago, and we spoke about what is home and whatnot. I was I said planting, but <laughs> also like when you're going to certain places, obviously you need to know that. I think within the black experience, you need to know that there's a place where you can get your hair cut. Yeah. <laughs> do you see what I mean? Or like, you know, if women get their hair done and whatnot. And like when I was um and I was in Glasgow for a few months, like that was one of my main like concerns is is there going to be a barber there? Will I be able to get my hair cut? I think and, you told me about this. Yeah. Like and, and, and you're like and you're like, would you be able to get my hair cut? And it's such a huge 
and um, such a huge like pressure and question. Yeah. Even when I went abroad and I was like, I need to find the black community in France. I mean, not in France, in like Strasbourg or Paris or wherever, so I can find the barber. And it wasn't until I went, when I was in Strasbourg, I found like um, Congolese barber, mm. barber shop. And then that was a whole experience in itself mm. because mm. like, like literally every time I went in there, there was always somebody dancing. <laughs> there was always some kind of, there was always some kind of like mm. vibe happening yeah. and it was good. Um, I felt like the, the level of care that I got on my head like the way that they kind of like they aggressively shave it <laughs> um, like compared to the, what I was used to but yeah. like it was just one of those experiences and I felt like that's what that's why I think like the play was yeah. and the book was so important it's but, one of the questions I was level at it was why I didn't include American barber culture in the play mm. I was gonna okay yeah I'll go to the next bit after and uh, <laughs> what were you thinking about that or something else? I thought about that but then I also thought about like when I was reading the play and obviously you wrote about Winston mm. and you just wrote Caribbean, but then obviously, but all the other barbers were like Ghanaian, Nigerian yeah. and stuff. And I was like, like, did you just mean Jamaican? Cause even in the play, he's just a Jamaican guy. Yeah. And yeah, then yeah. like, but then also the, the culture is quite vast as well. So yeah. I was just, yeah. Well, one of the reasons why I didn't go to America is because the American barbershop culture will colonize the play. Yeah. Like, it's just so vast. That's yeah. a whole other social document in its own. Like, I, I, and I just, I just chose to avoid that rather than do it a disservice by mm. just including it in one scene. But um, I was talking with, with Musa Okwonga about um, this, <laughs> had his hair cut once in Harlem. And he just ended up talking about his whole life, about going to Oxford, um, coming out to his family, um, choosing to be a poet, becoming a writer, leaving his law degree behind. And um, just each People time... People always leaving their law degree behind. <laughs> because it's stress, <laughs> from, stress. What I, from what I see. And yeah. And, you know, it got to the point where, like, everyone in the barbershop was just listening to him. So, and people just, like, could not believe he had gone through all of that stuff degree from Oxford and just left it behind to become a writer and then when he finished his haircut and he was paying all he had was a hundred dollar bill so it was he paid for it and <laughs> true say the barbershop broke out in applause <laughs> that was like, that was, they just couldn't believe that bit like you know yeah. after everything the fact it was paying with a hundred dollar bill was just the cherry on top like, <laughs> it was like okay now we get it <laughs> you know, just, just, just incredible he came to style on them yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, uh, that's why it's just kept America out. And um, yeah, I hope the play transfers there um, soon. And um, and when we when we began discussing about the possibility uh, possibility of that, the question was, are you going to rewrite the play for America? Mm. I was like, no, I can't. It is what it is. Yeah, how could, we can't even we can't even have this conversation without even speaking about Desmond's, can we? We 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 can't. Can we? But we'll we'll get back yeah. to that. I just wanted to ask a question get quickly. Okay, yeah. yeah, basically when. When you visited these different barbershops, mm -hmm. was there any barbershop you felt more at home in than any other? Yeah. The last one, actually. The one in Ghana. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, oh please. Nice. You're just gassing him. No, no, no. Let, let the man speak. <laughs> completely God. honest. Because mm. Nigerians are a funny breed of man. Like, every barbershop <laughs> I went into, unless I was paying them just for the, you know, the convenience of the conversation. They didn't really <laughs> want to chat to me. Wow. Serious. Serious. Oh, wow. But the guy the guy in Ghana, um, the barbershop was built into one half of an old shipping container. And um, Homeboy would sleep in the barbershop. And I didn't know this until I arrived eagerly to do my work. And I knocked on the door. 
peeked through the blinds and he, there was there was a mattress and we're sleeping in it. Yeah, mm. but um, that, go to yeah. the point where he his his command of English wasn't that great. Well, or rather, my commander of three was pathetic. Yeah. Like I have none. So we used to communicate. Um, just with like the very pittance of English or through um, f- um, football video games and he oh, was okay. like a demon on FIFA and I, mm. I barely knew which way was left or right so <laughs> we used to communicate through that and we used to share breakfasts together like he'd go and buy fruits and I'd bring things and we just eat so that was that felt most like home because he just welcomed me and our and our, um, our communication was non-verbal it was non-literary it was just something deeper than that mm. yeah, yeah. That's yeah. not right. Yeah. are very, very, very welcome. Yeah, yeah, from what I hear yeah. as well. Mm. Yeah. I hear. Why didn't you go to the Caribbean? Or was, um, that, was that just not on your no, radar? I at tried all? to, and I just couldn't follow the patois. <laughs> I don't understand what's happening here. Oh, okay. It took me several weeks just to get into the, the rhythm of, of, of speech oh, before trying to understand it, let yeah. alone try and decode it. As yeah. well. So I just thought, okay. this is a losing battle. <laughs> okay. yeah. So when, with, with, with the pigeon. Yeah. The um the, like, the first scene. like yeah so for example the pigeon between Ghanaians and the pigeon between Nigerians yeah. oh I like that scene was it a lot more pronounced when you were going back when you went back and forth from one place to the other because a lot of the time when I'm in a barbershop or something and they're speaking pigeon I can't tell the difference between mm. like a Ghanaian pigeon and Nigerian pigeon but is there a difference there's a similar sort of structural framework to, to pidgin Englishes, mm. especially in West Africa. And they're all to do with the language, the, the, the sort of like the traditional language of the person speaking. And by that, I mean, take Nigeria, for instance. Um, when Igbo people speak English, the little bits of the Igbo language that come into it, same from the Hausa, same from the Yoruba, same from various tribes, etc. Um, sorry nation tribes I should say or nations um, and same thing in Ghana the little things that, that creep in but the same structural um, sort of devices and ways of coming coming up with with um, with um, with new phrases new words exist mm-hmm. it all comes from a sort of communal understanding and misunderstandings of English languages yeah and mm-hmm. just broken down on faster ways of communicating so they sort of understand each other and the context in which words, pigeon words are used, bespeak the meaning and people get it Yeah, that you way. get it, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I liked the kind of like overall philosophy that came like through the stories and how they crossed over. Mm. Um, you know, you kind of like parodied the whole an Englishman, a Scottishman, an yeah. Irishman walks into the bar with the, um, <laughs> with the other one. It was really good and I really found that interesting. It kind of, it, it did open up my mind mm. a lot more to the continent itself because like just to see just to see it there before me and just mm. to see like those conversations happen and then I could like you know like when they was talking about pigeon and like what people see that as a language and why not and why and such and such and the experience of um, even in the barbershop when I forgot what the character's name was but he was talking about um, dating white women mm-hmm. and whatnot yeah I found that that was really interesting just his experiences and like yeah. how that doesn't make him a particular kind of man, etc. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, man, it was. A, I found like it was a really, really, really good play to watch. Really good Thank play you. to watch. Is there a, is there like a version of pigeon in um in Zanzibar? Right? Broken. Yeah. Broken. There is. Yeah. Is it similar to the way you hear Nigerians speak it? Or? No. Absolutely different. Very different. Really. Um, like we call it Swahili English. Swahili English. Swahili English, which is what basically I I might speak at home. Especially with like the kids, um, or like. Can you give us a sample? 
No, it's, it's a train I monkey. <laughs> I know, can you imagine? I can't That's really. <laughs> actually, so actually, there was a tweet, right, which I was literally laughing about so much um, yesterday. Someone tweeted, How Tanzanian are you? And um, what Tanzanian, what Swahili people do is when they say, um, Oh, is it their birthday? Because birth, like birthday, I don't think there's a word for it in Swahili, actually. You say maybe the day that they were born, but it's not birthday, okay? Yeah. Um, but they obviously have taken on the English way of saying birthday, but they don't know that it's just birthday. They they say it's happy birthday. So, <laughs> so, so when they're saying, you know, is it their birthday? They like they'll say, oh, you have birthday, Akele. Like I don't know how to say yeah, yeah, it, but it's see, kind of like saying, oh, is it their birthday today? It's like. Oh, and you happy birthday, Akileo. So it's like, it's so funny. Because when I, and when I read it, I was <laughs> laughing because it's everyone will say it. It's like, oh, and you happy birthday, Akileo. It's like, oh, is it your birthday? But they'll say, is it happy birthday today? Yeah. And oh, okay, it's that's so easy. hilarious. Yeah, yeah, that's but I didn't that- know it was a weird thing until I read it in my English brain, mm. not my Swahili brain. Mm. So, mm. yeah, I mm. thought that was interesting. It's like, like when you listen, when I listen on the bus or the train sometimes, and I'm just listening to all the languages that are around and I'm hearing Hindi and then they I can uh, speak Hindi yeah, a bit. yeah and they put and they, they throw the English words in mm. and so you kind of get the context about what they're talking about but I'm just like that's so weird because then there's no word for certain things in Hindi yeah. I, they're either there's either no word for it or they just can't be bothered or, or <laughs> to put it in like, or you know sometimes I mean? it might just be like my mum for example like I've said she cannot tell when she's speaking English and when she's speaking tree yeah. so she'll be speaking tree mm-hmm. And then, start, and then start oh. saying something in English and then carry on in tree. Yeah. Yeah. Not because she can't communicate those words in tree, but because, I don't know, it's really strange. So yeah. sometimes she'll even be talking to a friend of mine and then she'll be speaking in English and then start speaking in tree. Yeah, and I'm like, mum, you're speaking in tree. And she's like, oh, sorry. Yeah. And then carry on, <laughs> she'll carry on in yeah. English. Do you know what I mean? It's a really, it's a really strange thing. Yeah. It's really interesting. I met a friend of mine. Uh, sir, I know someone who is part German and and part British and she spends half the year in Germany half the year in England and she talks about how whenever she goes back to Germany after spending six months here her friends and she begins to translate from English into German her friends are like why are you so polite like why are you so formal like what's up with that mm-hmm. when she comes back here and begins to translate from German into English her friends are like why are you so vexed like, <laughs> like, like why, what, what yeah. have I done mm. so maybe something yeah. happens yeah. with you so fluent like you can't yeah. Yeah. but it's, I think it's the really, time it's, that you spend sorry the time on. that you spend so when I'm here I dream in English mm-hmm. but when I went to Zanzibar um, I was there for like three months um, a few years ago the first couple of weeks, I was I realized I was still dreaming in English, and then they got to a point where I started dreaming in Kiswahili again, hmm. and then my my language got better because every time I go, it's like it's like this yeah. plate, and it's just I'm, there's this yeah. friction, and I just need to get yeah. past it. And as soon as I'm past it, then I can speak it properly. Swahili, Swahili yeah. dreams, Swahili dreams. Yeah, that's so like the name of a novel, Swahili yeah. dreams. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, it's funny because like when we because we studied languages, and um, in our group of friends at uni, mm. we used to be like when we start dreaming in French and we start dreaming in Spanish and whatnot, that's kind of when we know that we've like made it to a certain point, to reach to a certain certain (laughs) level. And it wasn't until like we caught up after being abroad, after uni and stuff, because we all went our various ways. We started caught caught up after and it's like the level on which that we thought we were at when we were just being there and living there and being in the country and doing whatnot. Like we kind of all realised that we, we had dreamt in these languages. It just became so... 
ingrained in our minds. And yeah. when I started to speak, when I came back to England and started speaking English, I found that my syntax was all over the place. My mm-hmm. sentence structure was just like, I was putting, I was mixing up the the way that the adjectives go and then description, you know what I mean? Because that's, because French, they kind of, flip it. they flip it around yeah. and same with mm-hmm. Spanish. So I, I, that's what I mean. I just find this really interesting language. Yeah. is just bizarre. I wanted to ask, um, how was the process in actually writing a play f- from writing like other things? Yeah, oh your poem. Yeah. It went from like extreme arrogance to like <laughs> extreme humility in a short space of time. Wow. Yeah. Because I arrived with, um, with 60 hours worth of recorded interviews mm. of just content. And um, I sort of edited it and reduced that to four hours of play. And I just thought, this shit is fascinating, even to me, mm. let alone a British audience. People are going to fall over. This shit is crazy. You know, so I sort of gave it to the head of like um, new work at the National Theatre, like here put that shit on stage just <laughs> full arrogance you know? like yeah let's get it popping and then and then we met for a chat and it was like okay you know I'll level with you <laughs> I've never read anything like this before this is this is like I've read scripts for the last 60 years I've worked I've, I've worked in theatre industry yeah. I've travelled I consider myself relatively you know well knowledgeable I've mm. never read it, like this is just mind boggling. However, this play la- lacks dramatic momentum. Oh, like, really? Okay, cool. Uh, what is dramatic momentum? <laughs> mm. You know, and write, that's yeah. when my knowledge in terms of theater, how plays work, how to build suspense, blah, yeah. blah, began to. And I wrote 14 drafts of Barbershop Chronicles. Wow. 14 different versions of that play. That's when I. That's when it became a play, when I realized yeah. just. Just the meta things regarding storytelling, especially when it's through dialogue, yeah. mm. and that's that's difficult a lot alone. If it's just a play like Fences, where it's one location and there are like three or four people, mm. this was about sixty different characters in like se- seven different countries. That was an uphill struggle. So I had to learn the basis of theater and think about how it would play across various, you know, economic, like social countries. Yeah. That was just mind-boggling. So it was. It was difficult. It's a short answer. Yeah. And yeah. I always do this thing where I have simple ideas, right? I place it in barbershops and then it just becomes <laughs> infinitely more difficult. Yeah. yeah. So then, so I know you said at the beginning, you was kind of like, okay, I'm, I'm pumped. I'm excited. I've got all of this content. Yeah. I'm going to, you know, write this play. When the play took up and blew up, yeah. did it catch you by surprise at all? Or were you just kind of like, Completely. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. After the very first preview, because, you know, a play is different from other things because you don't know if it works until it's put before an audience. All the creative themes can have faith in this. All the actors can have faith in this. But until you put until, until it breathes in front of people, um, you, you just don't know if the mathematics works. So after the very first preview, um, there were like Nigerian old aunties in the audience who were responding to the actors on stage. Like, <laughs> yes, tell him all of that stuff. So I was like, okay, wow. Okay. So the fourth wall in theater is gone. gone. Like, yeah, yeah. They're able to talk directly. That's something else. So play finishes. It was two hours long because we had to shorten it. And, um, the response from the audience took all of us by surprise. So we all cantered out into like the dock, like deer in, you know, in, in, in a new forest. Like, yeah. what the hell? Just what, what have we created? Just yeah. completely, mm. completely shocked. Mm. Then, ex- then, then just going back night after night before the press night thinking, okay, 
what just happened? How did it happen? How can we drill into that and make sure it happens each night? Mm. Was was mind-boggling. And my theater producers, Fuel, when they realized just how much vocal an African audience were and how much they contributed to the atmosphere of the play, they're like, okay, on press nights, we have to make sure like 70, 80% of this audience are people of African heritage, of black, you know, because yeah. they'll get it. Mm. So even if they're people, the, the theater re, re, um, audio, critics who are traditionally white mm. middle-class men, um, if they don't get it, they'll feel like, what, I do, what don't I get rather mm. than this plays in written well? So that really helped when it, con- when it came to all the reviews. But yeah. then, incredibly enough, the critics got it despite all of that. They just, yeah, so, yeah. Short answer, we were completely surprised. Yeah, completely were, there, taken. were there any, like, low points for you? Any low points? Like, um, with the like, producer, did, did anything get overwhelming? Or did you just have um, to, like, say... In the rehearsal room, I had to kill a few things. And the things that were cut out of the play, which I left in the play script, I was like, okay, cool. Someone else would do another version of this and maybe the whole thing would be there. Mm. But, um, but in terms of the production, no. Just seeing the actors, just find new ways of saying the old, the old things. Audiences coming up to me. People just bawling at the end. Like, all of that was just like all of my angst as an African, as an, as an immigrant that I wrote into all of this were confirmed by this audience night after night. Mm. People tweeting, sending messages, all of that stuff. I think my low points came when um, the interviews were just mind-boggling because people were just asking the same questions in this mm. exact same way. And I did so many of them where mm. it felt like I was performing myself. Yeah, yeah. I was being, yeah, I was... Mm. To, to talk about, um, I don't know, puppetry, I was like pulling my own strings. There was just a level of yeah. of, of of disassociation with my own spirit, yeah. which just began to do crazy things to my head. Then it got to the point where um, I just couldn't do interviews anymore. Yeah, I felt it like, burns you out. Yeah, like I would... I would have a mental breakdown. And I, like, when I said that, I mean, seriously, I was speaking with a guy, this lovely man who was, who was called Ben Chamberlain and was in, he was the one doing all the press and he did astonishing press. I mean, look how much press, you know. And it was a point where he just asked me, do you want to do any more interviews? And I said, no. And he said, well, there might be financial repercussions, especially when the play was in Australia. Like, mm-hmm. um, they have questions for the play and you're the best person to speak about the play. And if you don't do so, we might not get coverage and that means that the, we might not sell tickets, therefore mm. you might not make as much money from the royalties. Like, doesn't that mean anything to you? And I said, of course it does. I also want the actors to have audiences to perform the play to, but I cannot, I, I just can't do another interview. Yeah, I can't come and kill myself. Yeah, 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 I cannot come and die. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was like, I just can't. Yeah. So yeah. that's the low point when... I, yeah, I just had to, to. Yeah, to this day, I haven't done another barbershop interview anymore. Mm, right. And yeah, I'm sort of. It's gonna come back again. It's gonna have another life. And I'm like, yeah. okay, you guys need to figure out another way of selling. It. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't be it. I can't. Yeah, I can't be it. Yeah, yeah. I can't be the marketing plan. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's okay. amazing. Well, just the roundup. Yeah, yeah. This. Um, the that segment. Yeah. Uh, that segment. So you've said barbershop chronicles is coming back. Yeah, again, uh, news probably come out in the next couple of months. I can't say to we have the exclusive. Yeah, Yeah, but there's (laughs) definitely a bigger life. Something's coming. Something's coming up. Okay. He's got something up his sleeve. I want to see it on TV. Yeah. I think that's what it is. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would love New Desmonds. That's what I mean. We never got to speak about that. We need that. something like that for our generation. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Definitely need something. Okay. Yeah, it's a TV series. Well, Netflix. So, <laughs> just moving on then. We're going to move straight Kibbles. on to Mostly Flicks. Mostly Flicks. Because, Mostly yeah. Flicks. And what we're talking <laughs> about you know, today. It was so funny when you mentioned this documentary, um, <laughs> Being Blacker. 
So it was on BBC Two. Mm-hmm. Um, what week? Last week or this week? Just gone. And um, yeah, it's about a Rasta in Brixton yeah. who, blacker, yeah, blacker, who owns it. Who owned a record shop, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like about his life and about what you kind of had to, you know, you had to go through certain things. And we're going to obviously talk through that in this. But what did overall? What did you guys think of the documentary? How did you guys? I loved it. You love the documentary? Yeah. I was actually really like, okay, fine. When you told us, I was like, today actually. I was yeah. like, oh, good, okay, fine. I'll, I'll watch it. Yeah. Um, and I really, I because I didn't expect it to be as powerful, I suppose, in mm. terms of talking about what it means to move to England and how people have had like set up their family. So Blacker's mum, when she moved here, she was the only one who came first, yep. left her son who was like what two months or something mm-hmm. um and then the father came like a few years later and um, when she died she left like what was it i think she, they said 94 like 94 grandkids and that kids fu- and grandkids yeah and, grandkids. and that Whoa. that funeral mm. was an event ju- yeah. right and i was like it was for me it was quite it was um an interesting thing to see because obviously i like funerals for us aren't really like that and haven't been to many and it was just powerful mm. and I actually I got really emotional because they actually just showed the corpse like and I was just like well just mm. really taken back mm. um at how engaging they were because I think in my culture anyway there isn't that engagement with someone that has just died yeah mm. it's something that is sealed off we don't have wakes or anything Um, yeah they're like wrapped up (laughs) and so that was something that was very new and new to me to witness Mm. um because it wasn't like a a tv show where it's like it's fake like this is somebody that has died Mm. and they're right there and they were very engaging with her and i actually the the best thing for me was his friend who is the taxi he wants to become oh a professional God. chauffeur was, and I, there was an interaction with them pretty early on about um language and how yeah. they talk and um black i called him john because you know <laughs> you, you don't talk like like that you know speak how you're supposed to well, not even supposed but speak how you speak and then he was like well i'm speaking so that she can understand yeah. me and whoever is watching that they can understand me oh when and, you're speaking part of, in yeah between part of yeah and yeah. that flicker that i feel like every african most like caribbean and african people do whether it's language whether it's demeanor whether it's accent whether it's how you interact how you stand how you sit whether you like like for example it's so weird like when i speak swahili i'm very like i don't shout or project that much Mm. um but when i speak english i do and it's just those little things that you do to Mm. be heard or be be seen that i found quite interesting Mm. so why did you pick this though in your well it was weird um now then, I, just, I do this project called The Midnight Run, where I just go walk in, in the city and plan routes through it. So I, I do always that. try to get lost in the city yeah. at least a couple of times, um, at least once a week, a couple of times a month. And um, I'd, I'd been doing that that night and ended up at um, the Ritzy. And I didn't want to go back home. And I was sort of midway between being hungry and not being hungry. So I didn't want to like get a full meal. <laughs> so I was kind of there scratching my head, just doing whatever on my phone. And there was this couple in front of me and they had just ordered a pizza 
and pizza came was hot they ate half of it and had to go and watch the film so they asked me do you want to eat i was like no no, no it's fine <laughs> we were like okay well we'll either throw the pizza away or you can eat it so i'm like okay fine thank you very much yeah. so i just ended up <laughs> yumming the pizza back shoving it down and my friend works at the ritzy um in in um in brixton yeah so she said what are you doing here she firstly she gave me a hug i said by the way i haven't seen you since i saw barbershop i loved it so we yeah. spent first 10 minutes talking about that and then she said what are you doing i said i, I don't want to go home I'm just hanging out she said well do you want to see this documentary and i said uh how much of the ticket she's like i can get you in for free yeah. i'm like okay let me finish the pizza <laughs> so just cramming it down my throat and then i got in and suddenly, there it was. So I had no plans. I didn't even know what was happening. Just mm. happened to be there. Yeah. And after the after the documentary went down, I, I, first I just loved it. Mm-hmm. I thought this is so interesting as a Brixton resident. How did I know about this dude? Yeah. Just you know. Mm. And then it finishes, and there's a Q and A, Q and A, and Blacker is there on stage with with his friend. Um, yeah. So and then the filmmaker, this white woman, I think her name is Molly. Molly, Molly Dineen. Yeah. yeah. Molly Dineen. And that was just fascinating. Mm. And. I, I did like the level of of access she was given was just completely unfettered and so much trust. Yeah. Mm. So just watching them talk about yeah. that was just mind boggling. And then when I heard it was going to be broadcast on BBC, I was like, okay, this is it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because then didn't she did a project with them several years back? Yeah. And so she kind of had that access back again. Yeah. And then, but like by this time, so many things had changed and accumulated. So there was so much more content able yeah. to be done. Yeah. yeah. Um, what did you think of it, Derek? Oh, I loved it. I thought it was uh, so real. It was good. Direct I think... message is like, I love blacker. I'm no, like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay. <laughs> because what what I really loved yeah at the beginning with the the funeral thing is it just really made rem- me remember that when my when my granddad died in Ghana they shut down roads as well and they you know they had like a long procession and a lot mm. of people were there in like in the village and stuff and I just was watching it and thought. Yeah, yeah. We, like our culture is like here. Like this is British mm. culture now. Like there, there's no two ways ways around it. You know what I mean? Um, there's like a line in Zadie Smith's White Teeth where he's like, someone, uh, the guy, I can't forget his name, the um the Asian fellow. He's kind of like, we're all English now. Like it or lump it. Do you know what I mean? Like just mm. just deal with it. Like yeah. we're, we're English. Um, and yeah, I really like that black guy. I, I liked him as a because. Although he had kind of like this masculine thing going on, you could still see that he was like, he was vulnerable. Mm. Do you know what I mean? He he would still cry. You could tell those moments on the camera where he was going to cry, especially like when he was just about to go to jail. Yeah. And he was like, I was just on the phone to my friend and I hadn't told him that I was going to jail. You could see he was trying his hardest not to cry in front of the camera. And then he was like, oh, he said that his friend had tears streaming down his face and then he turned around. As soon as he turned around, I knew he was crying. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And And then he walked off. I just really like really liked his vulnerability and I think the, the the bit about his son the fact that when he was here and yeah. in school yeah. and they were like oh he's trouble with school's not for him and then they sent him to Jamaica now my man's getting like you know top six top, 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 top six, six yeah exactly like, top marks so like like that, that, yeah. just, I just thought to myself wow man like we it, it just made me think that they're really setting us up to fail yeah, yeah. that's exactly. what it really made me feel like that um, yeah. and we don't even know like our potential essentially you don't. yeah so told, like, like, yeah told to be quiet told to you're disruptive told yeah. you know all these different things i was having this conversation with my cousin this week and it kind of reminded me of the book that we did the other week with um when amy was on with um piecing me together we did oh, a yeah, children's book yeah, by renee watson and in that book um it like chronicles a young black girl's life in portland in america mm-hmm. and um there's a there's a bit in it where she kind of where one of the teachers is kind of really on her case and because she's like, 
disinterested and unbothered. She just continues about her day trying to mind her business. They um, they start to call her like sassy and rude and disrespectful and all sorts of different um, things. And like watching that documentary and then seeing that and thinking, you know, when you're in these school systems that just, as you say, they setting you up to fail. They constantly, they will bear down on you for like at least two years before their their stats are kind of like you know ruined you know what i'm saying once mm. the gcse's and the a levels and you know and their university entry requirements like that's why did you ever notice when you're at school like a few people started to get filtered out mm. by year nine and ten and oh by yeah time, by time yeah year, year eight 10, was so many people were excluded exactly they and were then, out like, so by, by the time you got to year 10 who you knew in year seven like it was just a comp- it was a stark change mm. to what it was. So I was actually going to ask actually, would you? Anyway, when did you come over to the UK, um, to London? I was twelve years old when you were twelve. Okay, what was the big differences of like education back in Nigeria and um, down in London? To be honest, I thought my my classmates in London were dumb. <laughs> yeah, that's normally the case. Yeah. Because the, the 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 lessons like the things that they teach Stand- you there is yeah. crazy. Like. Like, I left in like when I was about to go into maybe year year seven or something. Oh no, year nine. Yeah. And when I came here, like we're pretty much done the curriculum. The, like, yeah. So my first two years in in Holland Park in Notting Hill Gate, I'd done everything. Yeah. So I was just like, there's there's no challenges here yeah. for me. I aced everything because I I, I probably you know, and all of that thinking even meant that in my later years I was still top of my class in mm. most of my subjects. So. I was like, why are you guys finding this difficult? <laughs> like, 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 what's going on? Yeah. And don't go, I was troublesome. I was loud mouthed kid. I used to do stupid things, but I was always like, I just always did my work and I liked going to school. Mm-hmm. And people were complaining about, you know, blah, blah, blah. I was That's like, why I didn't get either. you hang around with your friends and did you like teaching you I shit. Loved like, school. Yeah. I loved school. I loved school. School. I don't know how, like, did you people not like school? I, I didn't like school. I didn't like I school. Actually I was just a troublemaker. I mean, I liked my extracurricular stuff. Oh, no, and I was like, okay, so I like... I love school. And I think a lot of people, like, yeah. I don't know, I... It's a weird experience for when me. When I came so. here, I loved school and I continued to love school. Like, when there was school holidays, I would be sad. <laughs> I, I can't lie. I was that yeah. person that hated summer holidays because I'm like, I just want to go to school. I think I didn't like school because my, my teachers were, were... Obviously, in hindsight, like, I understand why I was troublesome because my teachers were just very... Any little thing that I did, I would get in trouble. Any little thing, I would get in trouble. People were talking, Derek, why are you making them? Yeah, <laughs> like, I, I remember well. in parents' season, they'll always say, Derek makes Derek. other people talk. Like, he, do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And it's just kind of like, no, we're all talking together. And for some reason, I was yeah. always, like, I always remember, like, and they, there was no encouragement. I remember this one story where um, in school, I used to, like, write a lot. I used to just write stories randomly. And when I used to write stories, my, my handwriting would, like, slant to one side. So by the time I'd finished the story, it, like the paragraph looked like a triangle, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> basically, yeah. And I used to just write pages and pages of just absolute, just stories, like random stuff, yeah. And I thought to myself, if this was a really good teacher, she would see that I'm interested in writing stuff mm-hmm. and be like, okay, let me help you. In fact, my teacher came up to me, she was like, okay, firstly, your handwriting is absolutely awful. Terrible handwriting. She's like, why are you writing this in my lesson and you can't even keep on the page? That annoyed me one. And then in assembly, when she was talking about things, she was like, and you know, we've got some students here whose handwriting is absolutely terrible. I won't name them, but (laughs) honestly, and after that, I was like, I'm not (laughs) not writing What year was this? This was when I was in year four. That's crap. Yeah, year four. No, 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 year five. I remember my my teacher, her name was Miss Shake. 
I hate that. Yeah. Like, and it's just, so funny. She became my my little brother's um, primary school head teacher as well. Yeah. And I remember seeing her and she was like, like, oh, hi, wow. Derek. And I was just looking at her like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> did me wrong, man. Don't talk to me. Yeah, yeah right? You did me dirty. Yeah. I don't wow. like that. But like, I was very, I wasn't really good on um, on maths, mm. in maths at all. Like division, long division, all that stuff. We just couldn't get it. And I remember like I was in year four or five and I like, I literally like, I, cause you know, you know me, I pressure myself, like even up until this day. So I was there pressuring myself at, in year four or five. And then I just broke down. Oh, man. <laughs> I was like, I can't do this. This is it. And she's like, why are you crying for? Like do that. Like, like everybody else can do the division. Why can't you do it? And I'm like, no. I can't do it. Like I literally can't do it. And then I took my friend to kind of help me and be like, oh, this is how you do it. But I was like, yeah. this is, you know, there's some, there's some blocks that you just mm. can't get over. And then that kind of sets you back your mentality so when you do approach to do it again you're like oh I can't it knocks your confidence do it I, I think for me it. it was English School was trash. so I didn't know any English and when I read um, so you know you'd have to have like read a book a week and you have to know how to read it before you move on to your next book oh, yeah. <laughs> imagine me now coming in this is why I love Wilma the Patchwork Elephant because Elma <laughs> yeah or Elma wasn't it Elma is it Elma El- Elma Wilma. is it El- Elmo the Patchwork Elephant Elma I thought it was Wilma Okay, cool. Anyway, so <laughs> Elmer the Patchwork Elephant, like mm. that was, I think that was like the second book I was told to read. And I would read um, basically phonetically, um, but I would still not get some things. And I was stuck on that book for like three months. And Miss Hildreth, she's lovely, but... Hildreth. <laughs> Miss, Miss Hildreth. Hildreth. Uh, and she, um, she made me like stay on that book and I was really sad I was literally so depressed for months because everybody was like getting in- onto new books and I was stuck on this one book for yeah. me like science was my playground science is the same in every like language yeah. they just like, they even have the same names in, in English yeah. so I loved science but English was tough but as soon as I got it I got it yeah. got it yeah mm. and that's the thing about the documentary though it's like would you send your children abroad a back because I remember like sorry, just before Maybe you answer yeah. I was like my parents were considering sending, sending me to, to boarding school there because obviously it would just be my granddad. So I'd just be like back and forth there and then back home. Considering, you know, I was getting it as a threat. Considering, that's the like, thing, yeah. Like, a lot I of the time. Like, if you don't yeah. believe, we're going to send you back to Ghana. But like, awful though. Like, yeah, I think I've, I don't know. For me, it all depends on the kid. If the yeah. kid is... And that's what it is. Yeah. cool, then the kid is cool. Then, you know, and, and also de- depends partially on the home foundation. If you tell your kid, you can do this, like, if you're trying to, it's just bullshit. Like, you know, you can do this. And the kid believes that. Then all those problems dematerializes. Mm-hmm. But if the kid takes on that negativity and believes, oh, yeah, I can't do this, then it becomes a problem. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Would you send your kid to Nigeria to well, study? Well, again, it depends on the kid. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like... I, I won't rule it out because I was in boarding school for two days. Um, sorry, for two weeks. Sorry, <laughs> two years. What am I saying? <laughs> Time is a concept. <laughs> yeah. And um, and I loved it. Like, I wept like a wet child for, like, those first two, like, weeks or so. But I completely loved it. And the experience definitely made me who I am. I.e., when I was coming here, and I, I just knew I could do the work. I had nothing to do if I just applied myself. When I moved to Dublin, I was the only black boy in the whole school. Mm. And people which I just had these crazy, like, misconceptions and and preconceptions. I just, like, I just knew who I was. Yeah. So it didn't, yeah, so it just depends on on, on, on the kid. Yeah. Okay. And okay. Might, I might send him if he doesn't believe those things. Yeah. <laughs> or her. Yeah. yeah. What did you think? Like the show actually does have a the documentary has a lot to say about gentrification as well, mm-hmm. because I remember I was like, oh, so what is in that 
sh- in that space where Blacker's shop is because he had to close the, yeah, the shop. The yeah. shop. And then I remember, and then when they showed it, the clip, I was like, oh my gosh, I've been into that shop. Like, yeah. they, like it's this like this vegan kind of bakery, wow. this vegan bakery place. And they've kind of like got like, you know, what is it? The eggless eggs and all these weird <laughs> like things in there. And I was just like- Eggless eggs. Yeah, something like something like that. But it was really good. Yeah. It was really like I mean seeing the difference, seeing the difference about what like what he had there as a yeah. community hub, yeah. and then what was kind of replaced with it. Yeah, it was crazy. I, I was just touched by the honesty of the portraiture of him, like yeah. that unfettered access to his life, how mm. humorous he was, how 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 that bit, how how much dignity he had. Mm-hmm. Mao was going to prison. No, at no point was he like ashamed of of like it wasn't yeah. about shame. It was mm-hmm. like I made a mistake. I'm gonna. Uh, I've well faced the, the repercussions of my mistake. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, just and I just have to count down. Yeah, and the bit where he showed his locks. His locks. That, oh, was, that was amazing. That yeah, me. yeah. And he put, put in his he pocket. He put it in his pocket. <laughs> you know what I love? I love when he was like, he was telling us about how in Jamaica he'd go and like get the hose and just like, and then he yeah. just, like, just flash my locks. Yeah. And I was just yeah. like, you can, you can oh man, what an amazing yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but and I was he's a, just a joy in Twitter as well. It's just so yeah. welcoming and thankful for the love he's been receiving. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I like definitely one of the f- my favorite documentaries. Yeah. There was the so part fun. in the funeral part where there was like a man crying. I don't know if you guys saw, and his son. I don't know who he was that was sat there wiped his tears for him. Mm, yeah, man, that that had me choked up a little at that part. I was like, rah. One thing that I thought was hilarious was that um, just <laughs> before he went to prison, um, the camera turns and he's like, oh, he's going to miss his daughter's wedding. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, this was his daughter. And then another woman walks past. He's like, this is his other daughter. And the, um, the voiceover goes, oh, a few of his children turned up to see him go. <laughs> and it turns the screen and it's like, Bad children. <laughs> Bad children. Bad There's children. loads of people There's there. so many. I was just like, wow, man. Just a raster. Just a raster. Yeah. It was just like, these guys, they all remind me of just uncles mm. and because they all tend to dress the same they all have loud they all have loud shirts and like yeah. they walk around in their shirt and their string vest with whatever have yeah. their little drink and just try and like philosophize with you you know when he was talking to his um his son about why he irons his socks yeah <laughs> and whatnot and they're like dad no one irons their socks <laughs> his son or his, or his nephew whatever but like yeah man um it was a good documentary and i like i want to see more of those things because these things just pop out of nowhere and then it's like then it's gone again. Yeah. You see what I mean? So it's good yeah. that we picked it up for this week. Great documentary. That's being black. It's on BBC. Being, being black. It's on iPlayer. Yeah. It's on iPlayer. Cool. Right. So, so we've come to the final bit. I can't, I can't even be bothered to do mine because I feel like we're yeah, cheapen literally. up the conversation. Oh. So, yeah, I feel like we've had a real nice conversation and it's a you know, I don't want to cheapen it. So I'm going to not have an issue today unless you guys have issues that you want to talk I about. I've got no? no issues. I don't even think we've got time for issues no today. <laughs> oh, okay. yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, let's... I'm, I'm good. I'm good. We should wrap it up. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you, Inua, for coming and joining us Where can they week. find you? Um, you can find me... I mean, you're um, everywhere anyway. Yeah. yeah. Just Google him. <laughs> Just Google Inua Adams. <laughs> yeah, has a wiki page. Like, come yeah. on. Wow. Um, I... I guess, yeah, I, I use Twitter. Um, it's just my name. And I have a website, which is just my name. Yeah. Um, and from there, you can branch out to the other things that mm. I do. But yeah, in a while, LMs. In a LMs, yeah. Perfect. Amazing, amazing. That's it. You know where you can find us? Oh, guys, yeah. We're at Mostly Lit on Twitter, at Mostly Lit Pod on Instagram. You can find us individually at 
Um, oh, I guys, I changed my app because uh, you know yeah. now I'm a new I woman. I saw that. I was like, I was like, look at what this. What do you mean you're a new woman? What, what, what? So, Amanda changed my life. So, okay. <laughs> it's, why are you laughing? <laughs> that, so, I'm not like, back in the day, I'm not like, okay, like, back in my youth, you know, a few, few weeks Stop ago. waffling and blowing grandma. It's fine. Like, <laughs> I used to be called at Reckless Ray on Twitter. Um, but I've I've evolved and now I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm me. I'm Raifa Rafiq, you know? So... <laughs> That's that's who I am. So you can find me at Ray for a feet, guys. Okay. Um, and you can find these heifers somewhere. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 it's Alex Reeds, um, and I'm a Ghanaian Derek. Ghanaian Derek. Mm. Um, oh, I was going to mention something. Oh yeah, um, there's a the link to the Facebook live chat that we had with um, the cast of A Wrinkle in Time will be on the oh, website. Yeah. Yeah. Met, oh, awesome. uh, yeah. Mostly. Dashlit.com. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird saying it. I know. Mostly dashlit.com, and then you're gonna you'll find it all there when you can see that Oprah embraced my voice and my question oh, and, wow. and looked at me. Do you feel rich? I just right. I feel like you should like, be buried. She walked past me and like she was at the same distance. You breathe. From, you breathe like, the same air. As I looked Oprah at her air. as she passed <laughs> me. You breathed Oprah air. Woo. Yeah, man. I feel in. I feel. You know. Everyone keeps asking me why my skin looks so good because I'm just injecting yeah. these things for a lifetime. Even your hairline's good today, kind of. That's genetics, baby. That's genetics. <laughs> That's All right, guys. Um, we'll catch you next week. Unless everyone's got anything to add? Nope. Nope. No. Nope. All good, guys. See you next week. Thank you. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.